All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team. I'm your host, Riley Holbert, joined by my good friend, JW Crewall, on location. What's up, JW? Hey, how's it going, Riley? Dude, so you're out in Detroit, Michigan right now. What's going on? I am in the D, Detroit City, Motown, uh, <laughs> to help with a diversity conference. There is a yearly conference of uh, orchestras, musicians that is looking to promote diversity in music. And so Anne was involved about, well, this is her third year. And then I joined in last year. And basically I just run, you know, a lot of the production stuff. So making sure that the speakers come on and off. Oh yeah, super cool. The particular ballrooms, making sure everybody is all mic'd up. <laughs> uh, for when they need to be making sure that just the event runs smoothly kind of doing all the behind the scenes stuff so i enjoyed it last year decided to come back this year and you know it, it pays they put us up in a little hotel here and uh it's all pretty nice yeah that is really nice if longtime listeners right might remember that jw attended this last year as well uh, so we were actually just talking about that before the cast i was like wait i swear i remember you doing something like this <laughs> yeah i know because it's like it just feels I don't know. It's just a weird thing to say. Like, hey, I'm attending a diversity conference. I mean, not, not that that's weird necessarily. It's just no. It, it's just like a distinct thing, thing that you would remember someone saying. So right. Or like right. that you wouldn't hear in enough conversations to like not remember it upon hearing it again. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, super cool, man. I think it's a noble cause as well. Um, we were talking. I think last year we talked a little bit about like the underrepresentation and how that happens in music. So I, I appreciate that you're getting involved in that. Yeah. Anyway, shift in focus though, back to Pokemon. Um, Sword and Shield is just around the corner. We're recording this on Wednesday, the fifth Sword and Shield officially drops in retail stores that aren't like card stores on the seventh here. I mean, that's pretty insane if you think about it. We're entering a whole new era of the game. TCGO is actually already updated with the rule, which is pretty entertaining because it's like <laughs> this weird format that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> that's only on TCGO. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to. There was also that one before Worlds where they had like the pre rotation Worlds format. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm blanking on it, but this one is definitely, definitely bizarre. This one is really weird because, like, the pre rotation worlds one is like, whatever. I guess technically that's a thing, but like, <laughs> this one is like a rule that doesn't exist in the previous format. Theoretically, <laughs> it could kind of help to uh, stabilize the expanded metagame. I feel like there's not as much like shifting of decks uh, in the expanded metagame, but probably in standard, not. In standard, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> it's chaos, I'm sure. Yeah, I have not played any ladder today, but I almost like am tempted to just to like see what's going on. Right. I, I would guess, honestly, I would guess it's a lot of uh, Horror House Mewtwo. Yeah, probably. That's like the most portable deck from Sword and Shield that's been popular into the current almost, standard. Uh, I, I think it is just a 1v1, except there's no quick ball access. Yeah, uh, or Marnie. Or Marnie, good point. Yeah. So, and I'm sure actually Whorehouse is probably quite, making quite a showing and expanded as well. Uh, Trev Noir, Melodic, probably kind of stuff rearing sure. its ugly, ugly head back into our lives. <laughs> so, cool. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not really the point, though. I mean, this format doesn't truly exist in the context of any, like, tournament that you would go to. But it is a fun little, fun, I guess, little quirk of TCGO that you could get your hands on if you play in the next uh, 12 hours, I guess. Right. <laughs> But uh, Sword and Shield is dropping, and the the cards actually unlock on TCGO tomorrow, I believe, if you have uh, pack codes on the system. JW, we've talked a little bit about Sword and Shield and what we're thinking going into this format. What it, And you've actually uh, played with Andrew as well this week uh, on the Tricky Gym stream, so if you're interested, you can check out those VODs. What are the decks that you're currently most impressed by or the deck that... You know, if you had a tournament this first Saturday of Sword and Shield, what would be the deck that you snap grab and take to it? Yeah, 100%. I would take ADP Zation. I think that deck is just format defining. Yeah. Um, very, very strong. It can win against, I think, any style of deck. So, um, what I mean by that is like 
I think it can win by against one prize decks. I think it has pretty solid, I mean, very solid matchups against tag team decks. Um, and especially when uh, a lot of these decks are needing to use Jirachi to set up, they have all these other one prize um, techs in their decks like Absol, um, Fion, that kind of stuff, Marshadow. Um, you know, you can take a couple of easy prizes on one of those and then knock out a tag team and then all of a sudden the game is over. It just really has kind of this slow ramp up speed, but a very like outlined definition of how long the game is going to last. You know, so if you attach first turn and then second turn, you get your GX off with ADP, then you basically go turn three, knockout, turn four, knockout. And then and that's, that's enough usually. Yeah. So it's like, if you're the opposing deck, you have that one turn to gust up the ADP and knock it out that has the one energy attached, or like you're probably losing unless you cheese them with a reset stamp or something like that. But even then, there are board positions that they can set up where they have just GX'd with their ADP, and then they've set up two Zashans, and then you just can't do anything from there. Um, it really provides these almost unwinnable board states uh, from turn you know two or three on, and that's very scary. Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite deck in the format, at least heading in as well. It's just it's obvious, I guess, that it's going to be a powerful archetype. You got Zacian by itself is just a ridiculous card. I mean, <laughs> pretty much every word on that card reads pretty good to me, so can't really complain about that. Um, the attack is insane and with the addition of that adp i think is really what pushes that damage to the point where it really needs to be right like right 230 is good and it knocks out opposing zacians barring frying pan shenanigans but 260 and especially in conjunction with like shrine and you know whatever else you could throw in, in the mix that is insane that's exactly the kind of damage that you want to be doing every game right um and, you know, it's got all sorts of acceleration between uh, the Metal Saucer and uh, Zacian's ability. So it's pretty easy to, like, you know, you can focus in those two attachments on the ADP. And the thing about current ADP decks that we have time and time again, we've criticized ADP in current format. Yeah. Is that you can, you throw up that two prize or three prize ADP with two energy. You GX and you say, well, don't knock this out because I need to use the attack. <laughs> <laughs> well i need to use the other attack you know to continue playing the game so please don't knock this guy out um, right the thing with zacian is you have all sorts of ways to recover your energy state yeah. even if that adp gets immediately knocked out so you get exactly. all the benefits of adp while still having these really powerful attackers not exactly. to mention they're two prized attackers so you have to knock out two of them <laughs> well right and that's that's it too is like with the old adp that played keldeo and you're i mean you're bringing this point up exactly right i mean it tried to we saw like xander's list was a little bit innovative because he played the counter gain as a way to just basically be that extra energy attachment uh now we have metal saucers so it's really and the ability so it's like really not out of the question to be able to build up two uh zations very easily uh, very quickly you know and and that is just something that adp didn't have it didn't really have a one-shot potential either so um, you were able to give the, the deck it was facing, you know, when you were playing it with the Keldeo version last format, um, you were able to give them some time to like figure out routes to win or right. try to do something, you know, you gave them at least a turn to like figure out, okay, can I get a plant down or can I get, you know, so, something they, they had a turn to do something. Now it's all just like in your face, demanding <laughs> the answer immediately. Right. And also like, not to mention like, you can power up as AC in one turn, whereas counter gain is one colorless energy, which, yeah. you know, that's good, but it's not two metal saucers and an attachment. You're right. <laughs> um, right. I don't know, man. That, and not to mention, I think the thing that really pushes ADP's AC over the edge is I think no deck better, like, exemplifies how to take advantage of the first turn rule that currently exists better than ADP's AC. And so, like, all they really want is to attach, and then they can use the Zacian's ability to draw three cards and maybe attach again. Yeah. Which, that's a fantastic turn in the, with the way that uh, turn one goes right now. So it's yeah. it's just crazy, man. Like, the, the benefit it gets from going first, the overall, like, checkmate board scenarios, the prize trades that, like, quickly, quickly get out of hand if mm -hmm. left unchecked. I mean, not to mention, like, Zacian 
one shots a Picaram even through resistance. Uh, I know it's crazy. And like, right. <laughs> and you can play a few other damage modifiers. There's that, um, there's that one tool card that gives you like 10 extra buff, which is very yeah, relevant. Vitality band is definitely relevant against Mewtwo. Like then you're hitting 270. Um, I think shrine might just be the better card because it's a counter stadium. Um, yeah, but like if they're, if swell super popular, you could play. Right. But if Swell's, right. So, so that's, that's the other thing that I'm kind of getting to with the deck is that there's a lot of, uh, space to work with in terms of adding your own text in and um, kind of making the list your own. So that's another real reason that I like the deck. There are some lists out there that are kind of, I, I would say like Mewtwo is kind of this way where um, you pretty much have to play the same, maybe like 56 cards or so. And then maybe the last four cards you can mess with. But I think a deck like ADP Zashin, you can play, you know, 45 cards that are pretty much there and then the last 15 cards are pretty up to each individual player so i think there are some um things that you can do that you know with that deck that can you know adapt to your local metagame right a lot more easily so you call out like you can kind of customize adp's acn and make it your own and make it powerful in your own ways what are some of the ways that you like to power up that deck and make it strong what's the jw twist on adp's acn <laughs> well you saw it with andrews like we were thinking of you know one prize attackers that would be good because we he originally started with a list that had two um two of the aurora energy and one water energy to kind of take uh take advantage of like maybe a viridian force that gets played or something like that but then right. we switched over to a four aurora energy version with you know the eight or nine metals i, I forget the exact count um <laughs> but but then we were thinking okay we just need one one energy attacker at the end of the game to like clean up a jirachi um we were thinking maybe uh you know, Zapdos was our ultimate answer. I think you could probably go with something like um, the Spear Tomb would be good. You could play things like Cryogonal. So, like, you know, it just kind of depends on how the metagame shifts. So, if, you know, let's say Dollstall is very popular, Cryogonal makes a lot of sense. Um, let's say, uh, you know, I don't know, that you're trying to hit bigger numbers, then spear tune makes a lot of sense let's say you just want a consistent 110 then i think you know zapdos is always there for you and then there's a lot of stuff that can still be explored that i'm very excited to explore i think about things like nihiligo would be another one that comes to mind it's just a one prize attacker um you know that that can do some pretty heavy damage it takes a little bit more finagling with that but that just goes to show that there are just things that we didn't think about out there um another tech that i like for adp zashin that gets around probably its worst um just general threat is channeler to get rid of any latios shenanigans that could occur um i'm thinking latios in like mewtwo might be a bit of an issue uh latios in any type of stall deck definitely is an issue so we'll kind of see how the metagame forms how the metagame shapes and uh, look for Channeler to make its way into ADP. I mean, it's like a one-card inclusion that just completely swings any deck that plays Latios. Uh, even the Mewtwo lists are playing Latios. I presume, um, you know, that... that I mean, they have be been forever. Deck. What's that? Well, I mean, they have been forever. <laughs> right, right. No, exactly, exactly. But uh, even heading into this new format, you know, Latios still is a fairly big threat, and, uh, you know, you have an answer for it. Right. So... I, I mean, I, I never really even really thought about playing Channeler, but as a card, as an option, how do you make the best use as, out of Channeler when it's hard to find the supporters in this format? Like, at least one of particular supporters. Uh, how do you make the best use of Channeler when it's hard to find one of supporters? I mean, you have Jirachi, right? So, like, that's kind of the catch-all for, uh, for that type of thing. So, I would just say, you know, you got Jirachi. Don't think too hard about it. <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose I'm I'm not one to consider Jirachi an instant out to any well. The, of. the thing is, like you don't you don't need it the first turn. You just need it the turn that you want to ADP, and which is the second. You know, you can also, well, you can also <laughs> draw with Zation. So like, you know, it's just it's tough too because if you're playing against a stall deck and they have Latios, then you have really a fairly long time. Like you you have more turns. Uh, to do things so right yeah i mean i think there's like a mixture of things i think it's probably best against stall when you can afford to not use adp's gx attack immediately against stuff like mewtwo i'm 
I'm not sure you'll be able to get it off in the way that you need to, at least very consistently. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I have like mixed feelings on on like cards like Channeler that are so just, uh, just unidirectional it, it could be a thing. I mean, and and again, like if if it does end up being a huge threat, like let's say Stall is you know a, a, an S tier archetype or a tier one archetype that a lot of people play, or it's all over your local metagame, you can play two. You know, that's like, <laughs> that's definitely, no, no, that's definitely not like unprecedented. It's there were not. 80, there were 80 ADP decks in this format that did play two channeler. Um, and the deck just has that space. Like, sure. Again, those last, like, I'd say about 15 cards, literally play anything you want. Yeah, let, let them rip, man. Let, let those channelers fly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so. You know, I think we could go on about ADP Zacian for a long time. It's clearly a good deck. We don't need to sell it to anyone, and we obviously both like it. Uh, another deck that I think has gotten a lot of hype and also a little bit of controversy is this Mewtwo Malamar archetype. Um, some people say it's, like, too inconsistent or not that powerful overall. Other people say that, you know, the combination of Marnie and Horror House and uh, Trevnar's attack is just way too much for things to deal with. What is your opinion on the Mewtwo Malamar archetype? It feels kind of good. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, I I think it's I think it's a valid deck. Um, is it something that I would play? Probably not. I would lean against it. But there are a lot of things that make me understand why somebody would play it. Um, and if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about playing this deck for, you know, my challenge, or my cup, or even my regional, I wouldn't say not to. Um, it's not the deck that I love. <laughs> and granted, I don't think that the list that I played with Andrew was, you know, the way I would, I would build the deck. Um, that's not like a knock on Andrew, because I think his list was basically just the uh, second place list from that foreign regional. But um I, I would say the deck is very valid, has a lot of things going for it. You think of Horror House, you think of Trevnor, you think of the one-shot potential of the Ultra Necrozma. Those are the three standout performers, I think, from the deck. If you can combine all that into one and make it consistent, which you have more consistency outs for um, the you know the Malamar, the Inkes, with a Quick Ball, I, I think it's valid. I think it has a spot in the metagame, and I honestly would put it somewhere between tier one and tier two. Now, if you saw my um, tier list video, you'll know. Yeah, somewhere between tier one, tier two. Um, but I think it's very valid. So then I guess the question I have for you is you call it a valid deck. You wouldn't criticize anyone for playing it, but you also say that it isn't for you. So mm -hmm. what would it take for that deck to cross that line and be good enough for you to consider to play it in an event? Um, I, That's a good question. So I just think that the inherent uh, uh, threat against it via the turn one rule uh, is just very serious, you know? You don't get the benefit of extra draw through Zacian. You're forced to evolve your Malamars, which are just extremely important. So if you don't get enough in case down on the first turn and you end up going first, like it can just be kind of tough if your opponent is able to gust up um, your in case or you know snipe them or something. You know if they're able to take them out before you can really get full effect, that that can be tough. Uh, additionally, there are turns with Trevnor that you go in um, and your opponent, you know, and Trevnor is your best attacker. And you kind of need the Trevnor to stick, but there are times that it just doesn't. You know, you Marnie your right. opponent or something, and you're like, okay, as long as I hit, you know, two of their cards, you know, they're only two good cards, then then I'll have a chance here. But then they either top deck or they, you know, you don't hit the two and they have a draw out. That's very tough. Um, I would say also the strength of the consistency engines is just way better. So Trevnor is also just nerfed by that. So what do I mean by that? Um, last format, you saw a lot of tag call engines. Um, you saw a lot of just slower in general decks. And this format now we're just seeing everything beat up. Everything's juiced. You know, it just feels like we hit puberty. Like the format hit puberty and now we're all gassed, you know? It, it's just really swole right now. And uh, so the draw supporters are just that much better. So as opposed to last format where Trevnor might have discarded, you know, your two best cards and then you're left with like a tag call and the tag call's best card that could draw you out of it is getting a Cynthia and Caitlyn. Well, now, you know, 
let's say you have another supporter and and it's uh, a Marnie or a Magnolia or whatever. Either of those two are pretty good options uh, right. compared to you know the best draw option of a tag call deck, which is Cynthia and Caitlin. So I think Trevnor is a little bit nerfed by just the juice of the format. You know, you could also have just a bunch, like you could have a quick ball in hand and then just boom, go get it to Dene. Um, the consistency is way better. So Trevnor is therefore less useful. Sure. I, I think that's partially valid. I think that not necessarily the consistency is better. The draw cards are probably better. I don't know if like the counts of them are necessarily like higher or I think in some decks, I think actually the ways to draw cards might even be lower because, you know, tag call is at least an out, you know, where so you're multiplying your outs if you have like four tag calls, a bunch of Cynthia Caitlin's and, sure. you know, regular Cynthia's or something. Whereas now decks are playing like 4-4 four, four support line and that's enough to get them through the game usually because if you're Magnoliaing, you're thinning your deck out incredibly quickly. <laughs> so, you know, eight supporters is enough. Uh, but if you're getting disrupted constantly, how are you going to draw them? You know, pokey gear counts seem to be going down dramatically. Um, sure. I, I think there's like give and take there, but nevertheless, you know, I I get what you're saying. Where there's a lot of stuff your opponent can draw, and, and that makes them fine. I think custom catchers returning is also a big deal for Trevnoir. Um, yes. So yes. as you know, before if you Trevnoir and they have a great catcher in hand, uh, you know, they can discard their whole hand and play a great catcher. Uh, and that's about it. <laughs> so, but if they have a custom catcher in hand, they can play whatever other crappy card you gave them and custom catcher for three. And now they have a Magnolia and draw 10 cards right. in a turn. So, right. and, and that's not, I mean, obviously the deck has other resources. So we think about Whorehouse. That is very good. I mean, not, I don't think like it's too good. People, I've seen a lot of hate for the Whorehouse. I don't think it's like sure. too good because of the inherent um, like badness of, you know, having to evolve malmar like that's like a weakness but whorehouse is a strength <laughs> so i think they kind of even out and in a deck or in a in a format that's focused around big basics i just feel like um the whorehouse into a donk strategy isn't really going to work you know against zation decks or against adp decks like you're really asking for a lot there um i i think too like having the alternate crossma is very good however again you're kind of countering yourself because you have to use Dedenes to set up. Uh, you may not be able to get three Malamar out, which is, I think, about optimal for um, you know being able to one-shot anything in the format via attachment and and uh, and uh, attachment with the Malamars as well. So there are some good things, but they're like countered by the in innate bad things sure. from the deck. So it's it's kind of a give and take. That's why I do feel like it is a valid choice. I, I don't like want to say to people that the deck sucks i just don't think it's the play for me because um while there are strengths they're countered out by the inherent weaknesses yeah for sure so, so one last big deck i want to hit on is actually another zacian deck some people are opting for a lucario melmel route with their zacians where instead of going for aggression and higher damage output they try to slow their opponent down and remove energies from their board with the GX tack on the car metal, reduce the damage on the Sacians, compound with the frying pan. What do you think about that as a as a strategy? Is it valid? Is it optimal, or or is it just inferior to an ADP version of Zacian? I think it's good. I mean, I just think Zacian's so strong as a card, um, and ADP does. I mean, that's a very like valid GX attack. Taking thirty less damage is, is pretty good, uh, generally speaking. The car metal, you mean? Or, yeah, uh, Lucario, my model. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I like to have a little bit more control in my games. I feel like the Lucario Melmetal deck uh, with Zacian is just a little bit on the back foot. You kind of lose... Um, you, you can lose your footing if your opponent brings out something that you don't expect. So if they're able to one-shot you out of nowhere, then that can be really bad for you because you're kind of relying on this tanking strategy. Right. Um, you know, if your opponent does something that you don't expect, then it can just be a little awkward. So I would prefer to be a little bit more in control. Being able to set up the checkmates scenarios is a lot easier with the ADP Zacian deck than it is with the Lucario Melmetal deck. And for that reason, I think the ADP version is superior. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, 
more or less agree. I think there are definitely situations where Lucario Metal really shines. Um, but also, I think one of the major weaknesses of Lucario Metal is if you don't have the frying pan down um, alongside the Lucario GX attack, then just one of those gets nullified by the ADP GX attack, right? right. So if you only have one of those things, you're still getting O-code by ADP, and they're taking more prizes. So that seems like a pretty big flaw, whereas even if Lucario is better in some other matchups, I would hate to be losing in that mirror match, um, at least in theory, in my mind. So Right. I yeah, I, I, I think you would lose the mirror match. I mean, we didn't get a chance to play it out, but it just seems like... You know, it's a it's an unstoppable force against an immovable object, but I just think over time, you know, the the limitations of the card game and, and the limitations of, of the decks and the amount of healing or, or no healing that you can play, like, I just think um, the unstoppable force is going to win that battle. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. So, so make sure to buy up your Zacians and your ADPs if you haven't already, is what we're saying. <laughs> I, I would. I would. Uh, the other deck that I think is... Not as good, but definitely in kind of the upper echelon, the highest echelon of decks is Picaram. Now, I, I think it's like S tier is ADPization, and I think like S tier light is Picaram. And I, I don't mean that in, I don't know, like a any kind of negative way towards Picaram. Not that I don't like the deck. I think the lists that we were playing on, on stream were like almost perfect, basically where they needed to be, maybe within one or two cards of what I would take to a regional. Um, and it just always came up short. It always felt like it was on that back foot, but it kind of wrecked a lot of the other decks harder than the ADPization deck did in some ways. So it, it can it has a little bit better outs to uh, to some stall. You know, you have a snipe attack. Um, you just get going a lot faster, right? So you can get the turn one full blitz. You know, the turn one attack is very reasonable to do with Picaram, and I. I like it a lot. It just feels like kind of red and blue, like one and two, you know, one isn't really that much better than the other, but it, it, they're a little bit different um, in terms of ADP, Zation, and Pikaram. Um, I like them both, but Pikaram is definitely one of the one of the top tier decks. Yeah, I mean, Tapu Koko V as well, allowing you to kind of break through some damage barriers that you struggled to get outside of a GX attack before. I think is actually really, really strong and probably one of the biggest benefits it gets alongside Magnolia and Quick Ball, both being fantastic cards in Picaram. Yeah. So, you know, only a couple changes really needed to, to play Picaram in this format if you're a Picaram stand from the past. Uh, I actually am a little bit excited for Picaram. It's a deck that I've criticized a lot in the past year, in the past not year, but like six months or so. I haven't really liked Picaram post rotation. Um, but I am starting to warm up to the idea of it again because it's getting that fast game state that I like with Picaram. So yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to get my hands on it. Shifting sure. gears a little bit here, we talked a lot about Sword and Shield, and we talked a lot about Zacian, but let's not forget the Shield in Zamazenta, and we're giving away both of those cards today on stream. So earlier today, I drew the winner of our Twitter giveaway. So if you haven't followed us already, we do do giveaways on our Twitter. It's Tag Team Pokemon on Twitter. You can get all sorts of updates, giveaways, and we're going to be using it more for like deck lists and stuff like that, advice, um, and being kind of open to questions ahead of time. So I drew the giveaway while I was watching Andrew's stream earlier, and I am excited to reveal. I'll slide it over to, in front of JW's face here. Um, oh, it doesn't actually capture like that because it's the window capture. So let me... Uh, <laughs> That's kind of a bummer, <laughs> but hold on. Uh, no, it's not even worth trying. So uh, the winner of our giveaway is Atrocious Jake. So on, twi on Twitter, it's Atrocious Jake. I think on Twitch, his username is Atrocious Gameplay. Uh, he's a streamer here on Twitch as well. So be sure to check out his streams. He has a really fun, high production value stream, I've noticed. Um, so be sure to DM us on Twitter with your information and we will get that shipped out to you right away and actually a fun little surprise i think is in store for you when those arrive so be on the lookout for that <laughs> cool yeah congratulations shifting gears again though i want to talk about kind of like the long-term impact of sword and shield so 
in the immediate future, we've talked a lot about the good decks. I think there's things we haven't hit on, and we certainly probably will hit on those in the future. I think just stopping at the staples is probably good for at this point in time because we don't really know how things are going to pan out, right? It's, it's almost impossible to say. Um, but what I would be interested in is what cards do you think in Sword and Shield will rise to greatness down the road? What kind of things are hidden gems in the set that might later on become something great? I think there's some obvious answers here, but what do, what do you personally think are cards that are just waiting to be good right now? Yeah, um, I mean, Snorlax V feels like a card that should be good. Um, e, probably more so an expanded that feels like a good expanded card. Um, I think the Rillaboom is probably going to be good at some point in the future. I mean, it's basically just a Vigavolt reprint. So I think <laughs> uh, as like maybe post rotation, um, that could be, you know, like heading into the next Worlds format, like that would be something that I would look into just being able to accelerate energy like that is is generally pretty strong, like from the deck. Uh, that's generally pretty strong. I would say another card just that I think is good and has been good in the past is Zigzagoon. And I don't quite know how to play it. And I think that was the first card I was thinking of when I asked really? that question. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it, it kind of like it's hard to put into like a deck right now or say it's greatness right now because there's not really you know it's all kind of centered around these big basics that have like literally so much hp that putting 10 damage on on them is <laughs> you know, they just shrug it off you know um but i do think zigzagoon you know should have some place should have some place in the future i just don't quite know where i'm trying to find you know the the viability where the viability lies with that card i just feel like one day the math for zigzagoon will just appear in a deck and yeah, I you know imagine one day they make like a Galarian Pokey turn or something you know yeah. where I could totally see that happening too like it's not at all outside like the realm of possibilities like a or, Team Yell uh, Pokey turn or something yeah you know something wacky like that like I could totally see Zigzagoon rising to greatness another yeah. card I immediately think of when I think of future potential is uh, is Frostmoth and Frostmoth if you've been paying attention to the news on Pokey Beach actually just got a gold secret rares so uh clearly pokemon has like some kind of plan brewing for Frostmoth. <laughs> yeah i i don't know man i mean that's like that's one of the most beautiful cards i've seen in a while yeah Frostmoth is like a really cool looking pokemon too so it I, definitely has a very like gen 2 vibe to me yeah it feels very much like a Pokemon. We were talking about in uh, a previous podcast how there's just some of these new Pokemon that, hey, that's a Digimon for sure. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, the Frostmoth, yeah, it feels pretty good. It's going to be kind of cool to see uh, it get that secret rare. And um, right now, I think its viability is very questionable. I don't believe that <laughs> questionable. It has, I don't believe it has a good deck right now, but it, it kind of feels like a Rillaboom to me where um, they're printing these cards for like the future the future rotation and i feel like in the future it's going to be very good but just right now it's really outclassed by tag teams um it's just really outclassed by any type of um like the consistency of other decks is just way better so i, I think it's hard to look out for in the future probably post rotation i think right now it's a tier three deck in this current format uh, but maybe in the future it can rise honestly to me it seems like pokemon wants Frostmoth to be good at some point because yeah. not only are they printing this gold card, but there's also, like, the water bucket, which that card literally only exists to be played in Frostmoth and Standard, right? Like, there's yeah. no other reason to print it. You know, we're all, we all agree on that, right? Chat, you're with me here, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, maybe the next set they finally release a good water attacker that isn't Lapras VMAX or Caldeo V. Yeah. You know, yeah. who knows? Who knows? I think it, it only takes one really good like four energy water energy attacker to really push it over the limit so i'm curious when that'll happen if it ever does um and of course like frostmoth could make an appearance and expand it as well i know wambolt has been brewing away and his his genius brains gears <laughs> are turning the mechanisms are creaking back to life as he <laughs> tries to cook up a frostmoth brew so who yeah. knows man who knows they're there's got to be something cool out there. 
I'm right. It, it, it definitely feels like a card that has that potential. Um, you know, the formats always seem to be kind to rain dance decks. And I do think that water has, uh, as opposed to like the Magna zones of the past, water has some pretty viable attacks that are just better than whatever Magna zone has had. So, um, I, I, I think it's waiting. It's ready, uh, to, to emerge, but I don't think it's ready to emerge in this format. Hey man, I, I was a big Magna zone fan. <laughs> I loved Zorak Magnuson. That deck was crazy. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't was, good, yeah. but it was crazy. <laughs> right, it was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> it was super fun. I there was one day when I like actually thought it might be a viable deck, uh, and I was, was, yeah, it was one day, and I was at Andrew's apartment that day, and we literally played like Buzz Garb versus Zora Magnuson. So I'm like, I could beat your Buzz Garb any day, man. And we played like a best of nine at like five a.m. or something. <laughs> Zora Magnuson. Was that the uh, was that the double supporter Magnuson? No, this is the uh, the acceleration metal one, the metal acceleration. Ooh. In standard, in standard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I'm like I was thinking of a totally different deck then. That's no, hilarious. we're talking about Buzzle like Max like Zoravador versus. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Zora <laughs> Magnuson. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like cringing already. No, it was you just had to uh, field blower and timeless the Mew and kill a Buzzle and then you win. <laughs> and then you won. Yeah, it's as easy as that, folks. See, here, here. Well, because you play DCEs as well, you know, so yeah. you just need to get three medals and DC. <laughs> That sounds like an old, old format uh, matchup that you should, um, you know, make into decks, and then we can always have those. We can seal those. Away, you know, yeah, you know, we've already played the the only nine games that'll ever happen with that matchup. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just best to leave it that way, so that way those will historically be the only nine games in that matchup yeah, ever played. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. So maybe. I don't know. I'm just like thinking that might be a kind of historic in its own right. Yeah. <laughs> so, funny. yeah, but I I like energy acceleration. Who doesn't? It's super fun. I would love to see Frostmoth be good. I'd love to see Real of them be good because Grookey freaking rules, man. That guy's awesome. He's very cool. <laughs> and I I want to say that there could be potential in the Intellion line just because their abilities are so good. Yeah. Like I could see a world where there's a deck that plays that. Um, it could be a great thing in like stage two decks. You just play like a one-one Drizzile line, and you can grab the rare candy. Uh, I don't know. It's yeah. like you can evolutionary and you can Pokemon search for a rare candy, which seems good. Right. To me. Right. It could be okay. I mean, sure, absolutely. Like all those seem again like they seem like they were printed for a new format. It kind of reminds me of like uh, this format with the new set Sword and Shield coming out. It reminds me a lot of uh, 2010 when you had you know all these primes that just really weren't playable because there were all these good, um, you know, uh, 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 SPs. SPs. Yeah. I, mean, I was like thinking Cyrus Pokemon and that's kind of true, but uh, there were all these good SPs. <laughs> Cyrus just, Pokemon. Yeah. Well, they bodied everything like they bodied the primes, but then all of a sudden like the rotation happens and now these primes are just insanely good. You know, the Yon Mega prime that just got destroyed by, uh, the uh, the Luxray Level X uh, now is a very you know very very viable card and so expensive uh, too very expensive yes <laughs> so it, it feels to me like that um, you know if you do have an inkling of a card that you think is good uh, Frostmoth Rillaboom basically all the starter trio final evolutions Frostmoth uh, maybe pick those up now before you know rotation happens yeah you never know what might come up down the line the line so. I think we've hit on a lot of interesting points about Sword and Shield. The last thing I'd want to ask you about is I know you were trying out some kind of rogue strategies to, you know, maybe just to prank Andrew a little bit, maybe to get uh, the juices just flowing creatively in your mind. Yeah. What are you liking as a rogue archetype going into Sword and Shield? For the people who don't like to play those top meta decks, what is the yeah. deck for them? Well, we were playing a lot of Whimsicott. That's kind of Andrew's favorite deck. And I think it does have a lot of merit. Um, I don't think it's the worst deck in the format. It's definitely far from the best deck in the format, but um, you can really choose a lot of a lot of decks with Whimsicott. And it's very fun to play. It's very cool. It gains a lot of new consistency cards, namely Zamazenta and Quickball. And, um, you know, it, it sets up better than it did in the past. Uh, <laughs> 
whether or not that <laughs> the way you phrased that was kind of what's that the way you phrased that definitely made it sound like it wasn't necessarily high praise well it's just the problem with that deck is like you want you want like seven bench spots but you only have five and so you run out of space very quickly when you need to play things like the Dene, I think uh, Zacian is very good in the deck, um, and you need to play like a Blitzel or a Zebstrega line. And so all of a sudden you're running out of, you know, you have to choose like, okay, do I want one Porygon or do I want one Whimsicott? And then when you're making those kinds of choices, like that's definitely not where you want to be uh, <laughs> with a setup, setup deck. And so, yeah, it was very good. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah, I think so. How was the uh, Shedinja deck that you tried out? Uh, Shedinja deck was very good. Very, very strong. Um, we really enjoyed it, and I feel like Stall is a very viable archetype. Yeah, and for the people who can't, are coming from a Tricky Gym stream, Frank actually got second at the uh, little league tournament they had today with a rogue kind of Stall mill deck featuring a cargo GX to finish off the opponent's deck at the end of the game. So kind of cool strategy there. Props to Frank. Um, so cool. Yeah, I would. I think Shedinja and Whimsicott are both pretty awesome rogue strategies. Jolly Flying Man calls out um, a Cargo GX as an awesome strategy as well. Super cool. Yeah. Um, and then Baby Blounce with Jirachi, I think, is probably not even... Te it's teetering off the rogue line to me, where it's like people are playing Baby Blounce a lot. Sure. <laughs> and I think now we're good, ending in a good point where we can start taking some chat questions. So let's just dive right into that. Millennial three asks, have either of us looked at Libero Cinderace? Libero. Libero. I think it's Libero because it's like uh, Libero or something, right? Libero. <laughs> Libero. <laughs> uh, it's like volleyball. It's I think that's a term in in right. You know, in a sport so i i don't do this man yeah right well you wouldn't know about sports right yeah but, uh, cinderace i mean yeah it, it's cool i don't think it's maybe as good as uh Rillaboom or um or inteleon even um but it may have its own deck at some point i mean it, it's kind of a cool ability that we haven't really seen before and just anytime that you're able to uh get energy back like you gotta gotta have that kind of there's a validity to that so <laughs> probably not in this format again i think it's a little bit too slow you're relying on a stage two in a in a format that isn't that kind of stage twos um so i don't love it for this format but looking ahead could be good yeah i'm kind of with you there alaskan hero asks what do you think of the new energy designs i personally think they're really really sick i love them I mean, cool, can we all just agree as a collective that the tag team energies were awful? They looked tag horrible. Energies, not that good. Not no. that good. I, I they might good. be the worst energies. <laughs> I I don't think worst energy because like the uh, EX era energies looked so bad. Like they were so plain. That I don't know, man. Good. That tag team border just was so ugly on the energy. Yeah, man. but it, it made sense though. Is the problem? Is the problem. <laughs> it, it made a ton of sense. It was very on brand of them to do that. So I, I, I think it had its I think it had its yeah, time. I don't know. I liked the sun and moon just normal the like crispy as heck. The new ones look crispy as heck. They do, yeah. Wallace Wallace says here, will Collinsville meta be shaken up or do you think people will stay with the rebel, with the reliables? Um, I think a mixture of both. I think we're going to see a shift in people's metagame. I think there also is going to be some definite new inclusions. Um, Snorlax VMAX has been talked about. Minchino um, kind of stall decks have been talked about. Um, but I think we're also going to see kind of a rise of decks that kind of benefit from the way the format is played now. So Eggrow is a great example where it going second gets a huge advantage over his opponent because they can't play half their cards going one turn and can't play their supporter cards the next turn. So it's just, it gets, or flip that, they can't play their supporter cards the first turn and can't play half their deck, but it's item cards the second turn. So it just gets really rough really fast. Um, and But of course, like old reliables like Dark and Zorark will probably stay around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think like... Uh... The uh, Zork Greninja decks, the Turbo Dark stuff probably stays. And honestly, it 
should get a lot better. I would say that uh, one card that you're playing that you can immediately swap out and do like a one for one is the uh, trainer's mails with quick balls. So I think the decks will become ultra ball and quick ball maxed um, because I feel like every time you go in with shaman or every time you go in with a trainer's mail, you're just looking for that next ultra ball to like chain. And, you know, that's actually a huge deal. So having more outs to draw is going to be big. And I think the decks, the turbo dark decks, um, just get like an insane amount of uh, draw potential with with quick ball in addition to ultra ball. So look for the turbo decks to move uh, in that direction where they're playing higher counts of, you know, instead of just having the four ultra ball, look for them to play like four, uh, six to eight in combination of total counts of the quick ball and ultra ball. And then higher counts of Shaman and the Dene to be able to, you know, overcome prizing one uh, so that they can get that explosive turn one start, even with the new rules. Right. So, so we got a couple of questions related to Obstagoon. First, what do we think about Obstagoon? Will it have any impact on the meta? And then in conjunction with Sableye V, what are our continued thoughts on that kind of archetype, I guess, that is beginning to rise up? JW, do you have any thoughts on Obstagoon? I mean, Obstruct is a pretty strong attack right now. Yeah, it's good. I just worry that um, because people are playing Fion for a lot of very good reasons, that it just, Obstagoon is caught in the crossfire. So if you just Fion away, they're active, then you can knock out anything on their bench. And like, so then you're an Obstagoon player and you have to force yourself into trying to get out only an Obstagoon in play. Uh, <laughs> but then that just feels... It's tough with the stage two to only get the stage two. Right, it just feels kind of <laughs> incorrect to uh, try to do that. So I, I feel like Obstagoon, yes, it has kind of a cool attack that we've seen before that's very strong, but... Um, I don't know that it has the juice to to do what it needs to do. And, you know, I didn't watch the Tricky Gym stream today. Was uh, was it represented at all? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I worry that it's waiting uh, to have its power unlocked. I, I don't know that the good list is out, that a good list is out there yet. Um, I, a deck to watch for sure. But, I you know, the bold prediction would be that it doesn't have a place uh, in this metagame primarily for the reason of uh, custom catchers being back indexed and the Fion. Right. I definitely think that it suffers a lot from Crossfire. Also setting up a stage two in the current format doesn't seem recommended to me, <laughs> I got to say. Right. Um, and, you know, there's just a lot of things that can go wrong when you play a deck that relies on blocking off the opponent. That being said, though, what are your thoughts on kind of a Sableye V spread into body archetype? A Sableye V spread into what? Into just body them with insane damage. Oh, I see. Um, maybe. Uh, is, there a way, is there a good way to like accelerate energy onto Sableye? Not really that I can think of, yeah. which is the hardest part of the deck, I would imagine. Yeah, that, that just seems like the, the limiting factor there because um, if you're not able to get up a, a backup attacker then you should just kind of uh get blown through right oh bayday. uh tommy boy says bayday um yeah that's, that's not a good really option though <laughs> feel correct to me but um you know again maybe it's a deck to to watch out for in the future i just think that the two attachments are just so huge so i, I wouldn't mind bayday if you didn't have to also evolve a stage two right so like you have to be able to draw like your beta like with Jirachi getting a beta off isn't inconceivable but then also <laughs> evolving a stage two and getting another energy and then doing that like a second turn in a row that's not happening you know that's crazy so right. I think that's where the deck starts to fall apart a little bit um that being said though I did hear that uh Eveltal GX with the the knockout GX attack has been bought out, which is very funny because that card is kind of crappy outside of like very specific use cases like this. So it's who knows? Very interesting. I don't know what I don't uh, know if that's pure just like speculation or if someone has like some crazy well, save live thing going on, but the problem is like you would need to have all four of your zigzagoon down without pricing one, right? Well like, one zigzagoon into one obstagoon knocks out. Yeah. Right? I I guess that just doesn't. Well, it's a one energy, right? So like you can go in with the one Sableye, knock out a tag team, 
and then uh, evolve all one other thing. It feels like a lot of wishful thinking. It feels like a lot of wishful thinking. Look, man. (laughs) 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 It's not... Sometimes you gotta wish, you know? That's right. When you wish upon a star. You You can play Stable IV. (laughs) Awesome. So... (laughs) I had a thought in my head, but you honestly just kind of like pulverized it with your singing. <laughs> oh, okay. Good. So. I, fair if, if, if it couldn't, uh, you know, cut through the singing, then I don't think it was worth saying. <laughs> <laughs> I had like a plan, but now it's, it's just completely erased from my mind. <laughs> Great. Perfect. So, you know what? I guess I'm just not going to ask that question then. <laughs> Sounds like a good end to the cast. I had like something I thought was a great idea and now it's gone. Oh, <laughs> what a shame, man. That's a shame. That was that was probably the deck. You know, <sighs> the tournament winning deck idea that you were going to It wasn't like a deck, I don't think. It was It was just a good question. You know, sometimes you have a good one and you're like ready. Right, well, <laughs> you know, marinate it in your brain and uh, we'll bring it back next time. You know what? I think it's just gone forever. I, I think that portion of my brain just melted <laughs> and it's going to like fall out of my ear or something. <laughs> but you know what? That's fine. <laughs> so, is there anything else you wanted to make sure we hit on this week with Tag Team JW? Uh, no, I think we have a, just a really good overview of kind of how the metagame is going to shape up, what we think of the top decks and what we think of uh, some of the bad decks in the format. Um, Again, there should be a lot of things that we haven't talked about. We didn't really talk about any of the fire decks, so I'm thinking things like um, Reshiram and Zek... Uh, excuse me, Pikaram. No. <laughs> uh, Reshizard. We're just all struggling out here. We didn't touch on, you know, Torkoal, Magcargo. Uh, there's one other fire deck that I'm blanking on, um, but we just haven't, you know, we haven't really touched on those. So, um you know, there's, that just goes to show that there are still a lot of decks out there that people will craft. A lot of variations that I think we just haven't quite seen. Uh, for current decks, you know, Mewtwo is a, is a deck with kind of, um, a f- you know, just limited possibilities. But you look at uh, something like ADP, which can have, you know, many different tech attackers or, or many different uh, alternate attackers that it can go with. You know, there's just a lot of things that we can see that maybe puts little spins on the uh on the current decks right yeah i mean there's clearly going to be all sorts of carryover from this format i'm excited to see where things go we deliberately left some things out this week because we don't really know and we want to we want to hit on things as they come up as well so mm-hmm. i think that brings us to a healthy close here for this week make sure you check us out on twitter at tag team pokemon for the podcast twitter and then at smiles Riles and at the real john walter for all of our personals and also be sure to go on google and vote for the pokemon of the year um, if you haven't already if you just google search that you can vote for every generation make sure you vote for pichu in gen 2 because pichu is the goat <laughs> so right <laughs> and then other than that make sure you check out full grip games and fullgripcodes.com for your card and code needs they will hook you up with that good good and with that I think we're about ready to peace out. See you later, everyone. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next time.